For more information on this topic or on the subject of disciple making in general, look us up online at browndegreen.org or send us an email directly at podcast at browndegreen.org. Thanks for listening. You're listening to The Great Awakening, a disciple making podcast brought to you by Brown to Green on the Stream Grace Network. Hey, disciples, thank you for listening to The Great Awakening podcast. This is Stanton Cole. This is Josh Jackaway. And Michael Ferris. If you enjoy what you hear, leave us some feedback and share, share this with your friends. We can be found on all the major listening platforms out there. Um, and if you're interested in more information on this topic, please check us out at browndegreen.org or on Facebook at Brown to Green Disciple Making. So our, our guest today has been making disciples for seven years. He was discipled by our very own Chris Moikes. He's recently returned to the KC area after being in Chicago for four years. Last year, the Lord had brought him back, and now he lives in Waldo, um, a suburb of KC, and is a disciple-making pastor for Serve Community Church. Josh Jackaway, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Man, it's so good to be here. I, I feel like I need to start by saying, you know, a uh, long-time listener, you know, first-time caller, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So you just got back into town, right? So tell us a little bit about your trip. I know, I know you told us a little bit already, but for the listeners, where'd you guys go? Where'd you guys go? Yeah, so um, so my wife and I, we met here in Kansas City, um, and I moved here in 2000, uh, man, 2007 to be part of starting a church, um, and was here for um, close to 10 years, and then in 2016, uh, we moved uh, back to Chicago, which is where I'd, I'd come from, uh, to be a part of helping some friends uh, with, a, with a church there, with a church plant, and uh, we're there for a couple of years, and um, man, we, we really missed Kansas City first and foremost. Like we just felt like this was, this was home. Neither one of us are from here. You know, both of us moved here for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but kept coming back to man, there, there was something special about Kansas City. Like God was doing something here. Um, and then on top of that, you know, my, my friend Morgan kept hitting me up and saying, Hey man, you know, uh, and, and I'd known, you know, Morgan, you know, for probably six, seven years, something like that. He's a part of a, a pastor's disciple group that uh, me and Chris did a number of years back. And so uh, he was rolling with it and had kind of embedded that culture and DNA within uh, our church plant uh, uh, here in, in Prairie Village. And so he said, Hey man, you know, I mean, God's doing some cool stuff. You know, it'd be really cool to have you a part of the the team to kind of focus, you know, all of your attention and energy on making disciples. And so that got me pretty, pretty excited to get to, to devote my time and to seeing um, this thing, you know, really move, not just within our church, but really, you know, beyond the walls of our, our church and get embedded into every pocket and facet of our, our community, man. Yeah, that's, that's cool. So you've been making disciples for quite a while. And, um, like, how did, how did you get involved in it? Like, you know, yeah. as I said, Chris, Chris invited you. So like, how did that go? Man. So, so great story. Um, so it all started, um, Man, in January, January of 2014, uh, I was sitting at the, the Outlaw Cigar Store uh, down south here in Kansas City um, and was trying to navigate through kind of a, a ministry wall that I was hitting. And Chris was there uh, at the time. And afterwards, uh, you know, we're just, we're just sitting over on the side and I'm telling him what's going through. And he, and he pulled out a, a notebook and he started kind of writing some stuff down. It was actually the, the Lord's prayer deal. And so he's like writing that down and it was like, man, instant, like kingdom breakthrough. I was like, Whoa, 
dude, that was powerful. What was that thing that you just did? You know, for me at that point, I'd probably been in full-time vocational ministry for, for close to 10 years and um, had never kind of had someone walk me through a moment like that. You know, a lot of times I'm walking into meetings as the person who's supposed to have it all figured out. I'm the person who's walking in, you know, supposed to lead the person who I'm sitting across the table from, right? And so it was this really powerful moment where uh, he was like, man, that's the, that's the fruit of discipling right there. I was like, man, I want more of that. And so I remember hitting him up and was like, dude, tell me all about like, what, what do you mean when you say discipling? And it was funny because, you know, I went to Bible college, I went to seminary, um, and I've been in, you know, full-time vocational ministry since 2005. Um, and up until that moment um, in January or late January 2014, up until that moment, if you'd ask me, like, hey, what is, you know, what is a disciple? I wouldn't have even probably had an answer for you, honestly. Like, I'd, I'd have been like, oh, you know, it's a Christian. Like, I would have just thought that the term was synonymous, right? Like, oh, you know, disciple, it's a Christian, right? And if you would have said, hey, how do you make disciples? How I would have answered that question would have been like, okay, well, you know, you start a church, right? Or you mm-hmm. you put together a sermon or, you know, you, you, you have some sort of service, right? And that's your on-ramp for, you know, potentially making disciples. And how we would have defined it, you know, the church that I was a part of, you know, and this is how I had kind of thought about it for years was like, man, you know, the target point was you show up consistently on Sundays, you're giving your money, you're volunteering on some sort of team, and, you know, you're probably in a small group. And in my mind, it's like, okay, you do those things and you check all those boxes. And then Chris asked me this really direct question. He just said, well, how's that working out for you? And I was like, you know, honestly, like I'm kind of bored, honestly, like, you know, like we're increasingly giving with our finances. I'm a pastor, so I never miss a Sunday. <laughs> Even when we go on vacation, we go to church somewhere. Um, you know, I'm the first one to show up on a Sunday. I'm the last person to leave. Um, and I'm not just in one small group. I'm in two small groups. And if I'm really honest, like the most growth that's happening in my life isn't through any of those conduits right? It's, it's me getting up early in the morning with the Lord. It's me reading my Bible, journaling. So I'm like, I'm doing all these things over here, but they're really not like catalytic to my personal mm-hmm. growth. And he's like, what if I showed you a better way? So he invited me into his life there in, in January, 2014. And so we'd meet, you know, every single Monday, Monday was my day off and my wife uh, worked full time. So I would go over uh, and meet him on Mondays for a couple hours and he would just one-on-one disciple me. And I was like, this is like hands down something that I've never experienced before having went to a Bible college, having went to seminary and been within, you know, vocational ministry for close to a decade, what we were experiencing every single Monday, like this is, this is unprecedented. And that got me then really fired up because, you know, one of the big tyroses that I was realizing was present in my life was that I had taken on this lens of as a pastor, that it's, it's my responsibility to make disciples, right? It's my responsibility to lead someone to faith in Jesus. And then it was my responsibility to help them grow up, which I still think is true. But I also think it's the responsibility of every single follower of Jesus. And so that was this break point for me in my life because I didn't really believe that anyone else could do what I could do, right? Because I went to Bible college. I went to seminary. I was the one with all the training and experience. And so Disciple making was a game changer and that first and foremost, it was this huge breakthrough for me that I'm like, man, the whole church is supposed to be doing 
what I feel this burden, like sometimes almost this suffocating burden, like it's my responsibility that's crushing down on top of me. It's like, well, of course it feels like a burden because I'm trying to do the work that the whole body's supposed to be doing, right? And I need to get out of the way and I need to do my part and be responsible to that. But I also need to recognize um, that every single person is supposed to be living into this if they're a follower of Jesus. And I need to call them and equip them towards that end. Man. That's awesome. That's awesome. Sorry, I got, I got kind of going there. So. No, man, it's, no, like, it, it's, good. it is good. That's what I love. Like the reality is the more that you guys can talk, like the guests can talk and the less we can, the better for me it is. Right. But man, it, it's so, <laughs> yeah. it is so cool. It's, it was, I loved listening to you fire up because like what I heard in that, like it's, it's John three verse 30. Like I must de like I must, in, or he must increase, but I must decrease. Yeah. Right. And so oftentimes, and granted, I've only been, I've only been doing this game for a year, right. Full time. But oftentimes, like you can see it in the in the cultural here where we're at, is you get into that position like I'm like it's the it's the holy man syndrome whether you have it or whether the the yep. people in the body have it right where it's like I got to do all this it's it's me and like I'm I got to bear one's burdens I gotta I gotta make sure everyone's well I gotta be there I gotta do it I gotta do it all and the reality is like man like what we see in the word is like no like we must decrease in order that the Lord can increase and he begins to increase through others. It's, it's helps the priority of leader yeah. or the royal priesthood priority of leadership as the royal priesthood grows. It's Ephesians, yeah. for, you know, equipping the saints for the work of ministry. Right. And it begins to yep. multiply. And man, it's super cool hearing that, you know, as you're saying, like this was the big moment for you going, wait a second. Like I, like his yoke is easy. His burden is light. Is right. that fair? And totally. And, and the thing for me was realizing, you know, there was, so many, um, so many verses I started to dig into this where I'm realizing like, oh man, this, this told like, you know, it's like second Timothy two, two, right. Yeah. You know, the, the whole thing that gets laid out there in terms of disciple making to the next generation, I'd only ever heard in terms of basically like reproducing volunteers, man. So yeah. like in my mind, that verse like missed out on part of the good news where I'm like, oh yeah. You know, basically, you train this person to serve in kids, and then they're going to train somebody to serve in kids, and they're going to train someone to serve in kids. And look, it's Second Timothy 2, too. And, like, that's only scratching the surface of what Paul's really talking about there, right? Because Paul, when he's talking to Timothy, is the same person who he's, like, has invited fully into his life, right? You know, when, when you're trying to reproduce somebody to serve in your children's ministry, they're not getting full access to your life. Like they're not really, you're not really saying to them like, Hey, follow my example. I follow the example of Christ. You're saying like, no, let me show you how you prepare this curriculum. And let me tell you what time you're supposed to show up and what you're supposed to do with the kids when they're there. And so realizing like, Oh man, like I'm, I'm supposed to invite people fully into my life. Not just so that like the outcome of that is that they do this role to, to help grow our church or to serve our church in some capacity, but so that they grow up into all things into him who's the head. Right. And so that was, that like all of these verses started to like unlock and mean so much more, even thinking about, you know, Matthew 28 where Jesus is like, Hey, you know, as you're going, make disciples. Yeah. Right. And you teach, you know, you baptize and you teach them to obey. And I'm looking through that, you know, this lens as Chris and I started on this journey and I'm like, he doesn't say anything about go start a Sunday service. He doesn't say anything about like rent a building, find a building, buy a building, you know, spend, 40 hours of your week planning a service, recruiting volunteers for the service, training people for it, preparing a message. You know, I'm like looking at that and I'm like, man, what, what Jesus is saying is so in contrast to how I'm spending the bulk of my time, 
right? I'm like, I'm spending, you know, 40 hours a week towards, you know, a few hours that happen on a Sunday betting all of the, the farm that that's going to be the, the way that we're going to see kingdom come. And man, I've, I've missed it here. Come on, man. Come so, on. So as you were talking, it, it, I was reminded of, so I think it's Galatians three. So I was sitting in this last week and it, um, it starts out, you know, I want to learn this from you. Did you receive the, the spirit by the works of the law or by believing mm. what you heard? Right. And so like, mm. I can imagine the reason you went to, seminary and the reason you went to all that schooling was because God called you into that right by yeah. the spirit right and then it says in verse 3 are you so foolish foolish after beginning by the spirit mm. right now finishing by the flesh Come did on. you experience so much for nothing if in fact it was for nothing and the rest of it's just talking about like the law and how yeah. you know people like chain themselves to the law when there's freedom found in the spirit you know and so I, I mean that's a picture of what you're describing absolutely yeah and I think that that's the that's the piece too. And I think that there's this, there's this piece of um, like being in professional ministry, you know, for lack of a better term, and that there's this outcome that we want, that we really do. Like we really want to see people's lives transformed. And so I would say that that was very much true in my life. Like it, I was like, man, I want people to, to experience Jesus. Like I want them to experience transformation, but I didn't really believe that anyone else, like the average everyday person within our church, could really pass that on to mm-hmm. someone else, right? And so I had to repent of that, like realizing, man, you know, Ben Wilson is the UPS driver, is fully capable of multiplying his life. Zach Sellers, who works for, you know, Kansas City, you know, for, for Operation Breakthrough, right? Like he's, he's totally able to multiply his life, right? And, and Joey, who works at the bank, he can multiply his life. And you started, I started going through the list and I'm like, there's all these guys who like, like are leaning into my life, right? Like, cause they want, they want something, right? And they sense maybe that God's working and they're, they're seeing the Lord in me and they want that in their own life, right? So they're hungry, right? They're leaning in and I'm doing them a disservice if I, if I don't actually continue that forward by putting it back on them to take what they're receiving from me and go and like pass that on to someone else, right? And so it was this thing, I'm like, I'm constantly finding myself surrounded by people who I don't have enough time and energy for, and I'm just feeling stressed and burned out by like, man, everyone wants a piece of my time, not realizing like, oh, well, the way that you solve this is you you don't just like pull them all into you, you kind of like release them. And that was one of the things that Chris would keep saying, be like, oh man, release the church, release the church. And it was so breath, you know, breath giving, you know, life giving, um, you know, starting to like invest in those guys, invite them into this like, high invite, high challenge environment. It's like every single week they're showing up, you know, almost daily we're on these group texts that are blowing up. People are, are sharing things. Uh, in fact, I, you know, one of the guys in my first discipling group, you know, we're like a, you know, month in, you know, maybe, maybe six weeks in. And, uh, and so we're do our first kind of Kairos moment together as a group. And, and for him, you know, it was all around, uh, feeling like the need to, to control his life, like his mm. future. That was his, his big thing. He's like, man, my, my future. And so it was our first one. And so I'm like, all right, dude, you know, uh, you're, you're on the hook, put together a plan. You're going to send it out to the group. You know, you got minimum 24 hours, you know, max 48. We want to get the plan. Right. And he sends out this plan to the group. And I was just like, what? He sends out this thing. He's like, you know what? I've been trying to control my, 
my future too much. And one of the ways that I do that is through like my finances. So I'm going to empty out my savings account and give it all away to like force myself to be reminded that like I'm dependent upon the Lord. And I'm like, I have never seen someone. And I'm like, nobody in the group said anything about like, no one was talking about his savings. Right. Like we pointed him to a couple of verses for him to sit in. Um, you know, and that was like when he sat in those verses and he sat with the Lord, like that's the plan that he came up with. And it was like, dude, first of all, that's awesome. Secondly, like, have you talked to your wife about that yeah. so fast before you do it? Uh, Cause I like, I don't want you guys to get a divorce and maybe the problem in that, you know, be like my pastor. Uh, and so he's like, no, man, I talked to her and she's like fully on board. Right. And like that's that cool. you, you can't even make that up. Right. Like, and so he, he did that and they like took their, they emptied out their savings. They gave it to somebody within our, our church community who was in need. And, um, you know, and, and he would, if he was sitting on here, he'd be like, it's not like that we were sitting on like thousands and thousands of dollars, but he's like the money that was in there. was like, that's what we had. And that was like our breathing room. And to like, put that before the Lord was like, man, I'm trusting you, you know, that you're going to take care of me for tomorrow. Yeah. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Man, we've been listening to that song nonstop. Yeah, it's a great song. That's cool. yeah, I love it. That's super cool, man. Um, so being so, you, it's fair to say, like Chris Moyes is discipling you. You're the lead guy of your church at the yeah. time. Is that right? So, what was yeah. that like when you're like, man, this is like I haven't been doing this. For, like I haven't been doing this the way that it should be. I don't. I mean, know how the word that the right way, but like I, I'm not doing this the way I'm being taught how to do it right now. What was it like shifting the body in that moment? Like where you're like, hey, like. Like your eyes are open. Like, man, this is, it's not, I'm not discipling volunteers. Like I'm discipling reliable, reliable men and women who will therefore go and disciple reliable men and women. How is that shifting? Not just for you, but for your home life, for the whole entire body. Like it was everyone on a board. Was there a major pushback? I mean, what was that like? No, I mean, so, um, yeah. So for me, it was like, first and foremost, you know, I think that was early on, like a Kairos moment that, you know, even though I wasn't even, you know, at that point, like a commissioned disciple maker, it was like, I just felt the sense like, I mean, I'm supposed to do that. So even, I think I was only a couple months in journeying with Chris and he was like, dude, you got to start doing this. And so I think that he and I started connecting every week on Mondays, uh, like late January, early February. And by like May, you know, I'd, I'd invited in a group of guys that, you know, I all had pretty deep relationship with, but I was like, man, I've, I've got to start putting this into practice. You know, so I invited in maybe like eight guys to go on this journey of high invite, high challenge. And we went, you know, like we went through it, man. We got, we got into it. It was good. It was good. And then, you know, released those guys and got to see, you know, about half of them almost immediately start inviting people into their life. And they paired up kind of in teams of two by two and, and kind of went after it. And so, um, in fact, one of those, one of those guys in my very first huddle, uh, he and I are going to be pairing up. Uh, this summer, the two of us, uh, his name's Ben, uh, Ben and I are going to be teaming up uh, to disciple a group of guys. Um, and so it's fun to kind of see it come full circle that, that this guy who early on was um, in my very first discipling group and uh, went and like led this out is now kind of, we're coming around and we get the link arms, you know, not, you know, it reminds me of when uh, Jesus says, I no longer call you, call you, you know, servants, right? I call you friends. And I'm like, man, yeah. Ben is like that right now. Yeah. It's like, oh man, he's my friend. You know, we're, we're, we're getting up right now, uh, in the, 
you know, early in the morning on Mondays, you know, jumping on Zoom and we're praying together, you know, just to kind of like start our start our week about who we're inviting in, kind of like leaning into the Lord together. Um, so, yeah, so that was like the first thing. The other thing is like, you know, I really wanted my wife to experience this. And so one of the things that I did was just ask Chris, I was like, hey, do you have anybody who would, who would journey with Sarah through this? And so um, uh, awesome young woman, Lisa Kerwin, invited my wife into her life. And, you know, that was super powerful. So for, for her and I, we've been kind of like locked in this whole like brown to green discipling thing. Like we both experienced this back in 2014. It's like, it's like who we are. It's like what we're about. So, um, even as it relates to like moving back here, that was one of those things that we're like, oh man, we're, we're excited. Like she's getting ready. She's right now praying over a list of names. And I've already started to make some invitations for, for, uh, uh, for a discipling group that she's getting ready to kick off too. Come on, man. And so like you, so yeah, I mean, it's super cool. And man, like you, so you leave Kansas city for a little bit, right? Like you're, you're leading this body, like the style may start to become Mm -hmm. part of the mission and then you leave. Um, how long did you Mm -hmm. leave Kansas? Like, tell me a little bit about that. Like, what was that like leaving? Did you go to New York? Is that right? Or Chicago? Chicago. Yep. We were in Chicago. Chicago. Mm -hmm. Yep. So we moved. Um, yeah, we, I mean the big thing for, you know, at least from my, my lens at that point was like, I'm going to make disciples wherever I'm at. Um, but we just found out at that point that we were expecting our first and we were really excited about that. But we also wanted to be a little bit closer to the family. And so, you know, the last several years, it was really great. We were a couple minutes away from my mom and we got a really great relationship. She's a great, great grandma. Uh, my, uh, my older one, Bo, you know, she, she just left cause we've been on vacation. So she's been here for a couple of days while, while Sarah and I were away for a couple of days. And so he was like, super sad that Graham was leaving. And so that was, that, that's kind of part of what we wanted. We wanted to be close um, to her and to have those, those experiences with my family. Um, but the thing that we kept coming back to was like, man, God's doing something special here in this city and, and we want to be a part of that. So that was a big piece for us. I feel like that, you know, and, and while we were gone, like we were, we were investing in people's lives, you know, at our church that we were a part of there. In fact, my, my wife, um, was just on the phone yesterday. We're driving back from our anniversary trip to Colorado and she gets a phone call, um, from this girl that she's been investing in, you know, for close to two years has been discipling, you know, and she's going through a moment in her life. And so she calls up my wife and is like, Hey, you know, do you have a couple of minutes? Right. Um, and so we, we like, we're still like living out like who this is like, and we invite people into our life and we're going to like lay down ourselves and we're going to be a bridge to help them like grow up into the Lord and then we're going to release them to go and multiply their life into the lives of others. So, um, you know, that, that's been kind of our journey, even the past few years as we've been gone, even though we weren't a part of a like brown to green church, you know, the stuff that we were doing with our lives was like all about that. Come on, man. And so was it a pretty big church in Chicago? Uh, it started, it started out like, you know, it was, it was like a help we were helping start a uh, kind of church plant with some friends. So it started out small and then it, it grew to be pretty big, pretty big. How big did it grow? Um, like 2000 people, something like that. So like, man, like, so technically, and I guess you would say in, in some, in some people's circle, you'd be like, you're killing it. Is that fair? Like you've, you've hit the dream. Yeah. Right. And so like, I'm, I'm being, <laughs> sure. I'm being gracious. I'm being very gracious with my yeah. words, but like you're, you're like, you've kind of like, so I mean, you're there, like you're on top. Now, you, now you have like a mega church. Maybe I don't know. I don't know how they define mega church, right? But you're getting, you're, you're growing. 
And then all of a sudden the Lord's like, Hey, it's time to go back to Kansas city to keep making disciples in Kansas city. Right. And so like, man, like right. walk, like walk me through that decision if that's okay. Cause like there's, there's yeah. a lot of people, right. It would be like, I mean, I know we sit with the Lord and we do like we, we hear and obey, but I mean, there are those who probably like, this is insanity. Like you're successful. Like, why are you going to walk away from this to go back to, to Kansas city? Right. And so like, walk me yeah. through, walk me through that decision process. Like, I love what you're saying. Like you're there, like, like no matter where the Lord takes us, we're going to make disciples. And that's simply like, I mean, you can hear your heart behind it and that's what you're doing. Right. And I know that's a big part of playing that, but helping, like, I really like, like my, the reason I'm asking this, right. Is helping our listeners kind of understand this, this, and maybe those who are not our normal listeners, but like in this story of like, like there's a way that the world defines success and there's a way mm-hmm. the kingdom, right. Defines success. Does yeah. that make sense? And so mm-hmm. go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the thing for me, um, was it comes back to this and this was, this will sound crazy maybe to some people, but I had this dream back in, man, it was late, late 2014. I think it was. Um, and I had the same dream three times in a row and I'm not, you know, my background isn't, you know, more on the charismatic side. And so things that seem supernatural or spooky, you know, I'm not, I'm not quick to just kind of like jump in and be like, Oh man, you know, the Lord spoke to me through a piece of toast that looked like <laughs> something, right? Like I'm, I'm just not one of those people, but I had the same dream and it happened three times in a row, same mm-hmm. night, you know, I had the dream, woke up, went back to sleep at the same dream, woke up, had the same dream, woke up and was like, okay, that was weird. And I, and then like after the third time I got up and, and kind of journaled about it. When the dream was this, the dream was, um, I'm standing in this like barren desert place. And there's just nothing that you can see for miles. It's just dirt, right? Like picture you know, the ugliest part of Arizona, New Mexico, you know, it's just, just dirt cactus, you know, that's, that's it. And I'm looking off kind of over to my left and it's like, as far as the eye can see, it's just, it's just barren. And then as my kind of gaze shifts over right, I see this old man kind of like right over my right shoulder. So I have to kind of twist my head completely to look over my right shoulder. And there's this old man who's like skin just is like super weathered, right? Like, like the dude has been out in the sun for a long time. Um, and he's been exposed to the elements and he's wearing this like real beat up old hat. Doesn't look, you know, fancy at all. Um, and I'm, I'm just looking at him and he says, you know, how long must the rain fall before mm. all this turns green? I was like, what? And he's like, how long must the rain fall before all this turns green? And I woke up and I had that dream three times in a row. I'm like, man, Lord, what, what does that, what does that mean? And I've sat in that, that dream for a long time, man. Um, you know, for, for five or six years now. Um, and I've kept coming back to that. I was like, man, what, what, what is that all about? And after years of sitting in this and, um, a lot of time spent just kind of like leaning into the word, asking other people who are older and wiser to speak into it what I started to get some clarity is around, I, I think, I think that it's really about two things. You know, if you think about like, what would it take to transform a completely dead, barren desert place? Well, there's, there's two things. One part that we're responsible for and the other part that we're not. The first would be like, you would have to have a ton of seed, right? Like if you're, if you're one of, if you wanted to actually see anything grow out of the ground, you'd actually have to plant tons of, 
of seed. And the second thing is that it would need to be watered, right? Mm-hmm. And that the, the, the mm-hmm. soil would need to be fertile. And kind of where that got me is like, man, so there's, there's a part that only the Lord does, right? Which is he's the one who causes the rain to fall, right? So no matter how much seed you plant, you can't make it grow, right? Like you could get every bit of seed from your local Home Depot or Lowe's and put it in the ground. And if it, the ground isn't right and if the rain doesn't fall, like you're out of luck. Right. And conversely, if the rain falls nonstop, but you've not actually done any of the work of planting the seed, nothing's still going to grow, right? And so for me, it was like, man, I think, I think that what the Lord is saying is like for movement to happen, there's a part that's dependent fully upon him. And I'm going to say that's like the work of the spirit. And that, that part we lean in through, through prayer. And that's where, you know, for me, I, you know, I've got a huge value around what does it look like to have a really deep prayer life? What does it look like for you to multiply extraordinary prayer into the lives of others? Right. Um, you know, me and me and a group of guys from our church, uh, or within our, not just guys, like, but there's a, there's a community within our church that, that we're gathering, you know, monthly and we're praying late into the night. You know, we call that going up the mountain and we want to seek the Lord and we want to, we want to ask him to do what we're not capable of doing. Right. So it's the Lord that's going to, um, soften hearts. It's going to be the Lord mm-hmm. who's going to be the one who invites people, um, to, to see where they're at and repent and to turn from their ways. Right. Like that's not on us. And the only way we see that even happen or do we play a part in that is just by, by bended knee. Right. And we're going after that. Um, and this guy named uh, Leonard Ravenhill wrote this book called why revival tarries. And if you've never read that book, it's a, it's a powerful piece where he talks about, you know, it's, it's through prayer. Like the reason we don't see more powerful things happen within our, our world is because we don't pray, right? Like we, we've been able to do enough good and godly things by our own work and might that a lot of times, like we just haven't even invited the Lord into it. And so, you know, back to that dream, like we're planting tons of seed perhaps, right? And we might have like the, the best sermons and the, the most engaging bands, but we've not spent the time like on bended knee inviting and asking the Lord to work and to move. And so that to me is like the rainfall part. But then the part that's actually planting seed, like real seed that reproduce, like Jesus told that what it is, right? Like it's disciple making. Like that's, that's the seed, right? That, that I can either go hand by hand and plant every seed myself or like disciple making is this thing where like things like exponentially multiply out at the edges, right? It's not about one person. It's getting passed on to generation to generation to generation. Right. It's that seed that multiplies, as Jesus said, you know, 30, 60, 100 fold. Right. And so in my mind, I'm like, man, the two things that I want to be about is prayer. and I want to be about making disciples. And that's kind of like what I want to invest my time and energy into. And the thing is, is like um, I got to do aspects of that in, our, in my previous role. But like that's that's what my role is about. And how do we lead our people deeper into prayer? Like, what does that look like, you know, to get up early in the morning, you know, and jump on Zoom and we're going to be in like collective community praying. What does it look like for us to stay late up into the night praying and asking the Lord to do what we're not capable of of creating by our own strength and might and strategy? Um, And then like, let's get after it and make some disciples, man. Let's multiply our life and commission them to go and do likewise and to see that passed on to the next generation. Um, And sure, we're going to see like, um, like, some struggles along the way, right? Like it's sad when you 
invest your life in somebody and then they don't go and do it, right? It's like, man, you know, I just spent a year or two years journeying with this person and now they're like not even doing anything with it. But on the other side of that, man, it's so sweet when you go on that journey with someone and you see them get fired up and then start to invite people into their life and then to feel every bit as empowered as well as scared, right? Because it's a scary thing. And to see that start to like have ripple effects into the lives of others and then to see that get it passed down to like multiple generations. You know, like one story of this, like next week I'm getting together with, with one of the guys who's been discipled through this line. His name's Ethan. He's getting ready to release, you know, a couple guys that he's been journeying with. And so we're talking through like, what does it look like for him to release them? And he's setting them up so that they can go and multiply their lives. Well, Ethan's story is that Chris invested in me. And then Chris and I invited Morgan, who's the lead pastor at our church here at Serve, into our lives, and he went on this journey. And then Morgan invited this guy, Brent, into his life. And um, Brent then invited Ethan into his life. Now Ethan's getting ready, um, having just released, you know, or getting ready to release these guys who are then going to go and do likewise. And you see that kind of like stream and like, man, what better thing to trade your life for than best energy into, right? You know, I've spent hours putting together sermons and people don't remember them by the time they get home to eat Sunday lunch. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. That's good, man. Like there's, as you're speaking, there's, there's three things I was reminded of. First of all, I was reminded Samuel, you know, when um, the Lord calls Samuel and you're talking about this dream. And so, man, what it reminded me of is it's, it's the, I think it's the third time or the fourth time when he says Samuel, Samuel, right? And, and Eli yeah. tells Samuel, hey, say to him, like, speak for your servant hears. And that means yeah. nanny which means like, mm. like that word means yes. Like whatever you're about to ask, it's already yes. Right. Yeah. When you dig into that you're like, whoa. And so man, like what it makes me think of is your dream. Like you're like, whatever it is. Yes. Right. Like I will lay my life down for this. And then man, um, as you were speaking, I was reminded of the parable of the seed growing. And he said, the kingdom of God, this is a Mark, Mark four, right? Verse 26. Mark and he four. said, the kingdom of God, yes. as if a man should scatter seed on the ground, he sleeps and rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how the earth produces by itself. Mm-hmm. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts it in the sickle, sh- sickle and because the harvest has come. And so man, like it, it's, if you like the, our listeners, like there was a moment too on the podcast with Daniel sweet where he, you know, like there were some seeds scattered and three years later I'm sitting across the table from him and he's like, this is the fruit of it. And I'm like, how did this thing grow? Yeah. If it's not the Lord. Right. <laughs> and it was, it was like, it built a pillar of faith in me, honestly. And then man, like what's cool is I've been digging in Timothy. Lord has had me in Timothy verse for verse word for word. And he's been showing me, which I love because you're talking about like his prayer, right? Like it, it is, even when uh-huh. you dig into Ephesians six, the armor of God, the reality of it, like, it's how we do war. It's how we battle now. Like we don't, yeah. we don't physically yeah. pick up a sword. We don't, we don't go the battle that way anymore. But we, it's through prayer, putting on the helmet on salvation and all that. And yeah. And if you read, if you keep reading, it says and praying for others. Like it's not only do I do this mm. is how I do a battle for me, but it's how I do a battle for Josh, for Stanton, and for Jeremy. And so yeah. the Lord's been showing me in First Timothy, um, at verse two, or chapter two. Sorry, starting at verse one, but it says first of all, then I urge that supplication, prayers, and intercession, and thanksgiving made for all God's people, and so. Um, supplicate you know, first prayer is prayers to God is to exchange our will with his will. That's simply what it is like our desire for his desire, our heart for his heart, our thoughts for his thoughts. Supplication is to make the deep ask imploring God's aid, like making that deep ask, right? Like we know what it is in, in our, like we know, right? Even 
And even like the word would say, even like the Lord knows, right? Like that deep, that deep ask. And then the next yeah. thing is like intercession, which I love because we know in Romans, it talks about how like, like we, we know sin means to miss the mark, right? Like an archer mm-hmm. shooting at, yeah. a, at a target and he misses the mark. But I'll, Jesus, I'll yeah. yeah. And Jesus is interceding for us. So he's grabbing that arrow and he's hitting the mark for us, right? So yep. then it, it says this word intercession. And so asking for supplication, intervention, led by God asking for heaven and earth for Kairos is what you're asking for. Mm-hmm. And so through, through disciple making, oftentimes like the Lord for me, and I know Stan's talked about this as well. And Josh, I'm sure you, it's the same for you, but sometimes you can see what someone's Kairos is before they see it, but it's not, oh, yeah. it's not the opportune time. You but know, you like can't it's manufacture not manufacture it. Yeah. yeah you gotta wait for the Lord. You, to tell that's them. it. That's it. You gotta wait for the Lord, but he shows us this so we can intercede because now we know what the deep ask is, right? We like we pray for it. That's yeah. it, man. And then Thanksgiving, thankful for God's grace and blessing. And man, it's just been really cool. Like, like the Lord has been kind of showing me like what you're talking about. Like the Lord has been showing me here lately in a season of my walk with him. And I'm on my third group of guys I'm discipling. And the Mm -hmm. Lord is like, I've been doing this right. And I'm, I'm co-leading with a young man named Jaden Welch. He's going to leave, he's getting the house. And so his, him and his couple guys are going to be splitting off, but he knows what I've been like. He knows because I've been sharing with him. Like, Hey, here's what we're praying. I've been praying about. And kid you not, we're sitting at the table, right? Highs and lows, what the Lord's teaching you. And we're watching kingdom breakthrough everywhere. And we're both just like eyes wide. What is happening? You know, most of the time I cry, right? So it's been super cool. And man, like it's, it's, it's exactly it. Like that's it, man. I love that. Like we plant the seed and we pray for the rain. And that's the thing too, is that, you know, discipling gives you such a lens for seeing things differently. You know, previously, like I would sit with somebody who's at a pain point and my first thing would be like, oh, I need to pray for like God to take the pain away. Right. You know, they're like, oh man, I've got this pain point in my marriage or I got this pain point in my finance or I got this pain point with my children, you know? And I'm like, oh, as a pastor, I'm supposed to just pray for that pain point to get mm-hmm. relieved. But rather like, you know, with disciples, you start actually pay, praying for pain points, right? Because pain points is what leads to breakthrough. Right. And so like if everyone's sitting around, they're like, oh man, my life is going great. Like, man, you know, that, that's really hard to disciple someone whose life is perfect, right? But when those <laughs> pain points starts to show up, those are moments in which it's like, man, these are, this is potential for kingdom breakthrough. So let me walk you through the, you know, what this Kairos moment is that you're in. Let me pull out the learning circle. Let's open up the word and see from there how this pain might actually be redeemed and restored, right? That everything that Jesus did on the cross through the empty grave, he wants to do in our life, right? He wants to take our pain, our brokenness, and he wants to redeem it and turn it, turn it into an empty grave, right? And so, you know, we want to see that in every person's life, you know, that they're moving from, from cross to empty tomb again and again and again. So they're living out of that, like, kingdom breakthrough, right? Come on. You have a microphone, you could drop it right there. I know, I know. <laughs> Yeah, when you lay your life down, it's when you find it. Absolutely. That's it, man. I man, I love that. That's a good word, Josh. That's a good word. Yeah. It is. It is. So man, like well go ahead, Stanton. Oh, I was just gonna say, you know, we've we've covered a lot of your your story. I would say I've kinda got one last question, um, you know, before we start to wrap up. But yeah like we've talked about a lot of different transformations. Like I always love to hear like what's kind of what you kind of see is like that, that pillar of faith that you look back on, like what's the mm-hmm. big transformation that you've seen like personally in your life? 
through disciple making? Yeah, I don't know if this is the, the answer to your your question, um, but this is kind of like the the one common kairos that every like small kairos can kind of get like dumped underneath. And so I got it written, you know, real big and hangs up in my office. And I'm now on my third home office at this point because I wrote this up on the wall <laughs> and it's traveled with me. And it's this, um, is Jesus still Lord even when you don't get your way? Come on. And there's, and almost every kind of like, not not to call them small kairoses, but kind of like smaller kairoses that I've, I've been on through this journey the last seven years, almost all of them can link back to that, right? Like it's about Josh not getting his way. Um, it's about Josh not getting what he thinks is fair or is right or is what he deserves or has coming to him, right? And so that question, it's a good one. And, it, and it's like a gut check every single time. Like, is Jesus still Lord even when I don't get my way? And how you answer that question determines whether or not he's really Lord or just Savior, right? And so, you know, for me, you know, my faith in, in Jesus is my savior at 18 years old. But I feel like I'm still in a daily rhythm of trying to figure out what it looks like to make him Lord, you know, and yeah. I'll be 30, 37 next month, man. And I, I'd say that I'm maybe slightly closer <laughs> to where I was at 18. Um, but man, I still got a long way to go because there's a lot of times um, where if I'm honest, like I don't answer that question with, with yes, right? It's, I'd be like, no, Jesus isn't Lord if I don't get my way, right? Like, that's what my gut is saying. That's what my actions and attitudes are demonstrating, right? And I know enough of the right things to say that I can lie my way through it. But when I sit with that question, a lot of times what it takes out of the root is like, no, like I'm not living like I believe that's true. Yeah, that's that's profound. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely identify that. I've been going through like ups and downs you know, with, with like stress and, and having a lot to do. And I was telling Michael that earlier, you know, I like feel frazzled, you know? Mm. And so it's like, is, is the root of that, you know, like this selfish desire that I should, I should, you know, be able to do too much or mm. continue doing all the things that I want, you know, as opposed yeah. to the things the Lord wants me to, or calls me to do, you know? So there's, there's, for me, like it, a lot of times it root, it goes back to like this pride situation and, and mm. selfishness, you know? And so that's where yeah. I have to like preach those things over myself in that situation to like remind myself who is the Lord of that situation? Mm-hmm. Who is, who is the one that's giving my, me my direction? So. Well, and it goes back for me, you know, Galatians two twenty. you know, with all says, you know, uh, I've been crucified with Christ and yet, you know, I no longer live, you know, but Christ lives, in me and I come back to that again and again and again and it's like man if I want that to be the target of my life that's where you know and, and I've got I stole this from a guy named Jeff Vanderstelt in his whole definition for, for what discipleship is is you know it's increasingly submitting all of life to the empowering presence and worship of Jesus and I've latched on to that because I just feel like it's such a, a powerful like target right it's increasingly submitting right so it's on a daily basis right so it's, it's got no end destination every single day mm-hmm. there's a chance to increasingly submit but it's all of life, right? Every single aspect. Nothing gets off the hook. All of mm-hmm. my life. And the empowering presence and lordship of Jesus. And so first, before, you know, there's the lordship, there's the sense of presence. And so i got to invite the Lord into that before he even gets lordship over it. And so it's this, this daily process for me. is like, man, where do I need to grow up? Where am I falling short? Where do I need to take every thought captive? Where do I need uh, to increasingly submit all of my life? 
his empowering presence and lordship. So I might experience more of his presence inside of me and less of my flesh. It's Romans 12, right? Like laying ourselves down as living sacrifice. Yes. You know, yeah. and then, our, then, then we're yeah. transformed. Pleasing. Yeah, pleasing offering. Yeah. Yeah. Man. That's good. Just keep talking, Josh. And keep talking. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. Oh, man. I'm, I'm loving it. You're talking about Shema. You're talking about Jesus is Lord. Like, I just taught this to my guys. Like, man, what's super cool is I was like, Stanton, it's funny. Like, you said you text me that. Like, there, I was going to kind of press back and be like, hey, man, what's the why? But it's, um, I text yeah. you. But, man, it's funny. Like, as you're talking, like, it, it's, that was a legit question, Stanton. And Josh, that was a legit answer. Because, man, like, as you're talking, like, the Lord was showing me, like, I guess for me in that, right? Like, the same thing. Like, it's even if you don't get your way, is Jesus Lord? Like, man, the Lord was, just, man, he got heavy on me. And it was like, man, like, is Jesus enough? Like, yeah. that, like, like right. I, can, I can trace back all my, all my kairoses to that question. Like, like, Michael, mm. am I enough for you? Yeah. You know, and I'm like, oh my gosh. I was like, dude, I'm, I'm still in that. I'm going to write that on my wall. It's going to go everywhere I yeah. go, right on a big piece of paper. Cause I was like, dude, that's, that's legit because yeah. that's exactly it. You know, like that's the big thing. And what you say, man, it's, it's right. Like I tell my guys, you know, there's justification. Like I invite my, like I invite them in, but then there's sanctification where I'm being formed formed more and more into his image daily, minute by yeah. minute, second by second, right? Capturing, like capturing yeah. every thought captive, submitting it to the Lord, like, it's an, it's an ongoing thing. It's not just one, one thing I'm, I'm done, right? Like it's ongoing. And so, man, I love yeah. that, dude. I love that. That's a good word. I'm gonna make my guys listen to this episode, but like, Hey, you need to go back and listen to this. So <laughs> homework. Yep. Homework, man. That's good. That's so good. And I get to see like you. So are you guys for sure coming down in June? Yeah, I'm, I'm for sure going to roll down. I'm trying to figure out, you know, how that works with, uh, with, with my wife and our two kiddos, exactly how that's going to, how that's yeah. going to roll. If it's just going to be me solo or if we're going to roll down as a family, we're, yeah. we're trying to figure that part out. Well, Moix has tons of room for your family, which I'm sure he'd be okay with me saying <laughs> this. And there's a pool in his neighborhood. So also though, like at my, Wait, like, yeah, for he already real. texted me. Did he? He already texted me and said, y'all, y'all going to stay with me? Yes. Yeah. I told you, bro. I, I told you. He already invited Summer and I to do that. So yeah. We'll, we'll just have to like sleep on the couch. There you go. We hey. All, we can all squeeze in. We have a we guest room too. Ferris's house too. Yeah. So we, we, have, we have space too. We have plenty I'm of sure plenty Joey of might kill me too if we, if we didn't stay with him. So. Yeah. <laughs> There's plenty of places for you to stay, man. Like you don't need to pay for a hotel. We, we can get you guys a pool. Like we can get you to a pool. So. Well. If if I bring my uh my my four year old, yeah, the the pool is the way that we bribe him to get through the, the long car rides. Yeah. There you <laughs> go. Well, I have a six year old and yeah. I have a ten year old, so I'm sure they would love to hang out too in place. So. Oh, there you go, man. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. I love it. Well man, yep. I'm looking forward well, to that. Stan, you're coming down too, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. we'll be there. It's gonna be a party. It's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. Big it old, is gonna be a party. Big old party in a tent. It's be awesome right. and weird at the same time and just full of the Lord, right? <laughs> not weird for us, weird for the people driving by. So <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yep. Man, I love that. Josh, man, thank you. Man, thank you so much for coming on here this and was, sharing this your was story. Fun. Thanks for the thanks for the invitation and um man, it's it's so fun to just see how this thing plays out, you know, the ripple effects from it. You know, so like, you know, Stanton, you know, I've known you for number of years and we've met in person mm-hmm. but it's cool like you know connecting with you michael and uh is it jeremy who's over there in the sound booth as well yeah you know, i'm like i've never you know met you guys in person you know but but we have the same language and the same kind of kind of train of thought 
you know, because that's how this disciple thing works, right? It yeah. just pulls us in the same direction of the Lord. It's same vine, man. Yep. It's it, it's a yeah. It was because we speak a common language because we abide in the Lord, right? Same vine. Yep. And so like, yep. it's super cool. So I love it. So man, like we always yep. ask our guests to do this, the honors and the, to pray us out. Would you, unless Stanton has one more question. Are you good? Yep. Good. Josh Jack, cool. will you do this, awesome. the honors I'd and pray that. us out? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lord, thank you for, uh, first and foremost, um, for friends who are brothers, you know, that were linked together, um, not just in, in arms, um, but through your blood, right? That, that, um, yeah, this is, this is good. Um, that this is the, the work of a faithful men who've laid down their lives again and again, um, for us to be, uh, sitting here today. And so we thank you for those lives who, um, have shown us what it looks like to orient ourselves or reorient ourselves towards you, uh, to show us where we've uh, missed the mark, where we've fallen short. So we thank you for those high invite, high challenge spaces um, where someone loves us enough to tell us the truth. We thank you for the way that you um, speak, sometimes in these these weird, unexpected kind of ways. Um, I got to thank you for uh, these friends and the way that you're using them uh, to carry this mission forward 2,000 years later. Uh, what you entrusted. Uh, so a handful of dudes um, in Israel 2,000 years ago is still continuing forward. But there's nothing that slows that down, right? Because that's, that's you. And God, we want more. We want more of your presence. We want more of, of you in our lives. We want more transformation. We want to break through more of the obstacles that we've built up uh, that cause us. Uh, to miss out on you and it causes us to look inward uh, rather than upward because we want more lives uh, to experience this of what it looks like for them uh, to go on this journey and also we, we just ask would you would you continue uh, to pour out uh, your spirit like like lead us however uh, you would like reveal uh, the things that hold us back from swift and quick obedience and surrender. You'll play this all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Josh. Amen. Grace and peace. Yeah, thanks a lot, Josh. It was awesome. It was fun. Thank you, fellas. All right. Grace and peace, though. <laughs>